Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today's show will be a playoff special. Bryce and I will discuss and analyze all first round matchups. So Bryce will get straight to it. Denver, Portland, 4-2. Probably my favorite series in this playoff so far, Bryce. Uh, as you know me, I'm an offensive guy, so I'm all for Jokic going crazy. I'm all for Lil going crazy. But what's your take on that, on, on those matchups and that whole series? Yeah, so this was one of my favorite series as well. Um, not my favorite, probably. We'll, we'll talk that one a little bit um, a, a later. But I thought Damian Lillard was big time, man. Like, he obviously was impressive in the series, the way he scored the ball. He had the 55-point game, even in the loss. Um, hit some big shots for them. But I'm impressed with the Nuggets, Vlad. Like, you know, without Jamal Murray, they're able to get through the first round. I wasn't sure they were. Michael Porter Jr. averaged almost 20 a game in this series. And you know who I really like? Like a guy I think really was an unsung hero for this team, Vlad, and I did a little breakdown on him, is Austin Rivers. Like that was a huge pickup for them because what I think he does is he provides them just a little bit of scoring and offense that they need. He's not replacing Jamal Murray, but he gives them just enough. And so I thought he was a big time pickup. Monte Morris has played well. Um, so that, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but it was a fun series for sure. It, it was a great series, and we talked about this, Bryce, when uh, when when Murray went down, and we said Jokic got to step up. And I'll be honest, I didn't expect poor Junior to step up like that. I mean, the the way he's been playing, the way um, it, it's just the whole act on the court. He he looks like a a fine second fiddle right now. He's he's okay with that role. Like he just embraced it right away. And I agree with you. I thought Austin Rivers did a great job. Uh, just picking up the slack and Lillard, man. I mean, he averaged 34 and 10 over the series with that 55 point game. And, um, Jokic averaged 33, 10, four and a half on 50, 40, 90, Bryce. Like, what can you say about that? That's your center right there. That's amazing, man. And he's so much fun to watch. 
he's a ton of fun to watch, but at the same time, I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed at the Portland Trailblazers price because it really. It, where was Nurkic the whole series? Where was he? Non-existent. Cantor could not play in more than two minutes. He had a, a one DMP too. Like I don't get it. I really don't get it because those are your best big men, and they just can't be on the floor with Jokic. Like, wh- what were your expectations there if you're the Blazers? Because they fire stats right away, and they clearly just want to go in a different direction. But what were your expectations at that point? Because I, I don't know if 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 your two best big men cannot be on the floor this whole series, like not at all. Yeah, I mean they. There, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting offseason for Portland, right? Like to me, Damian is untouchable. Like it's a huge mistake for them to trade. Like a lot of people are like, oh, they're gonna trade Damian and blow it up. No, 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 no. That that would be crazy. Everybody but Damian. <laughs> yeah, every exactly. And and I'm all for it, Vlad. Like I I don't think you can live where the Portland Trailblazers are living right now. The Milwaukee Bucks are getting close to this. If it doesn't happen this year, we'll get to that later. But, you know, there's teams that get into this where, like, they can only get so far and they've proven they can only get so far. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to continue to do that? They can only be so good. Like, I don't think they can become any better. Exactly. So you you fire the coach. You get rid of number two, C.J. McCollum. You, you know, you pull whatever you can. You revamp the roster around Damian Lillard and you try. And you know what, Vlad? It may not work out, but this is never going to win you a championship. I feel like it's it's proven itself that this roster is not going to win you a championship. You just lost to the Nuggets without their second best player. So obviously you don't have what it takes with the current roster and the current roster construction. So I think it's time to revamp things in Portland. Hopefully it works out for them. I love Damian. I love CJ. I like that roster. A lot of players on that roster, but it obviously isn't going to work to get you where you really want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't have time to rebuild either. So, what I expect the Portland to do is just literally revamp it right now and give it another shot with a whole different roster because Lilla doesn't have time to like rebuild right now, right? Just trade CJ for picks, uh, get rid of Nurkic for some picks. No, they, they need players back, you know? And some that I do want to throw out there, Bryce. We do need a, uh, we do need a scorer. We need a shooting guard. If we don't draft green, are we looking somehow to bring CJ on? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, I think that would be a great addition. Now, somebody did bring up a really good point on Twitter with CJ. He's he's a little older than what I realized. And I guess I should have known this because I coached against him <laughs> and you played against him. So I should have realized, you know, he's, he's a little older than what the Pistons would want in terms of the timeline. So I understand that. But I do like the idea of bring, bringing CJ McCollum in. I think he fits in that mold. Um, you brought it up though. It depends on, I don't think we should make a single move until the draft lottery happens. It, even once the lottery happens, Vlad, we're going to have a pretty good idea who we can end up with, whether it's one, two, or three, if it's outside of the top three. So once we find that out, then you can start to look at some of these other moves. But I think CJ McCollum would be a great addition. And you've said yourself, like we have some personnel that would fit for them and what they would need. Yeah. And I think that. We have a few teams that are going to be willing to trade some players. Portland's one of them. I think Lakers are another one that are going to look to kind of just revamp the whole roster. And uh, since we mentioned it, Phoenix be the Lakers 4-2. No AD. I don't know. I've said it in the beginning of the season. That if AD is not healthy, that's not a team that can, uh, you know, 
there's no way they can be a contender. And um, I was impressed by Phoenix Price. I was and I was impressed by their reaction. At two two, I really thought that series was really tilted. The Lakers, uh, the Lakers way still, and really they just. Uh, I was impressed with Aiton. I know B- Booker is uh, the way he played, but Aiton really reminded me of a true center. Like he just dominated the paint, like amazing percentages shooting the ball in the paint, nine for eleven, shooting well from the free throw line, rebounding like crazy. And it, I was just so happy to see him because I feel like this whole thing around Aiton was okay. Maybe it's also part of the Luca thing, right? Because you know Luca and Trey Young were drafted a little bit later, and Aiton was the first pick. But it was this whole thing like, where does it fit? Like, can he shoot a three? Like, they, they kind of tried to make an an Embiid for like a, a quick second, and now he found his role, and he's just dominating. He's just the star in his role right now, and I love it. Yeah. And here's the thing with DeAndre Ayton is he's another like Ben Simmons where people refuse to detach where he was drafted to unbiasedly look at him as an NBA player and where he's at in his career. So maybe he hasn't lived up to number one pick standards or whatever people's standards are for that or expectations are for that. That doesn't mean he's not a really good player. I mean, you could argue with Chris Paul being injured that DeAndre was their second best player in the series for the Phoenix Suns. He averaged 16 and almost 11 on 80% from the field. I think Devin Booker was definitely, I mean, he almost went 50, 40, 90 and averaged 30. Like, but, and a lot of other really good players, Crowder and Bridges bring great things to the game. I'm not discounting Chris Paul, but I, I think you would even admit that he just didn't have the same impact because of the injury. But DeAndre Ayton, has, you're right. I did a breakdown of him here a couple weeks ago. He's had a great series. He's had a great season and turned into a really good player. I just want to touch on the Lakers real quick. LeBron averaged 23 a game. Anthony Davis, obviously. Okay, they had nobody else, Vlad. Schroeder averaged 14. Drummond was their fourth with nine points a game. Everybody else was like five and six. Like I've said it for a while now. I think that was a poorly constructed roster that they got away with because you have LeBron and AD. And I know you say, well, AD gets hurt and it does make a huge impact. I just, they need to reconstruct that roster around those two and get the right personnel that fits them, which in my opinion is some shooters. And you know what I'm shocked about, Bryce? Because we talked about it. I remember talking about this quite a few times uh, on past episodes when we talked Lakers. It was always they traded offense, uh, defense. You know, they got away all the defensive guy like Rondo, let him walk, bring Schroeder in, who's more offensively talented. And it just didn't pan out. And on on top of that, they signed Drummond, who was a non-factor. He was non-existent in the series. And... They have the wrong bigs. They have the wrong to see him just get dominated by Aiton. Like, Vlad, do you know who the best three point shooter for the Lakers in this series was? Honestly, I don't, but I can tell you that it's probably Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol, sixty four percent from three, and you know he, he only played in five games. Next was LeBron at thirty eight percent. After that, it's awful. It, it, it's awful. They don't have guys to space the floor. And you have LeBron James, and, and I know Anthony Davis does some of his work from the out from the perimeter, but it's a poorly constructed roster, in my opinion. But I, I, the, the Lakers get enough talk. LeBron gets enough talk. I, I thought the Suns were awesome. Um, 
and they got great contributions. And I, Devin Booker was big time. Like I, I love seeing those first, like he just went for it in games five and six with the way he started out in those first quarters. And that's a narrative. I mean, I'm jacked to see how he continues that going into the semifinals. And give a lot of credit to Monty Williams, honestly. He, he deserves a lot of credit, uh, just the way they, just the way they play offense, Bryce. I, I love it. It's, it's their pick their spots. Uh, they move the ball well. They find their shooters in rhythm, bridges, Crowder. And, um, you know, they, they started a series pretty bad, especially Crowder. Uh, but he was two for 20 at some point in the series in the first two games. And, uh, they kind of picked it up after. And I know you mentioned Chris Paul, Bryce, and it's funny because we kind of made this argument about him being the MVP. And I even tweeted this about two or three days ago, and I was like, well, what Yoki just did just kind of blew me out of water and whole, my whole argument for CP3 being MVP. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's not even a conversation anymore. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but what I liked about CP3 in the series is that statistically his impact was not that great. But as a leader, you can see him. You can see him. He was involved. He was talking to refs when he was not playing. When uh, uh, I believe he had what game three where he played twenty, a little bit over twenty minutes, and he was always around Monty Williams. Like he would go at the end of the bench, come right back. He would talk to somebody. He would talk to uh, Crowder. He would every every chance he got, he led them. You know, uh, just vocally. And on the other side, I was really bummed out to see LeBron the way he was, especially game five and six. It was back to kind of like pouty LeBron. Uh, he was not a superstar. He did not like a super. He, he looked, I don't know, old. I'm not going to say old because then we can just kind of chalk it up to LeBron's old. I don't want to say prima donna either, but it was just, <laughs> it was just not right. It. I don't care if your ankle was hurting and you had to leave the game early. It was just, you can't sell me that. You can't sell me that. Like, it was three minutes left. You could have sat on the bench three more minutes and not go back in the game and not just walk out on your team. When they look up to you, you're already in trouble. You don't have AD. And you just do that. Yeah, he, his, I don't know, and some people don't agree with this. I had somebody come back at me on Twitter about it, but the Looney Tunes comment um, oh, after oh, game oh. six, like, that really, I it, it, it's interesting to me and it did kind of rub me the wrong way and maybe it shouldn't maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm overblowing it but it wasn't like he just mentioned it in passing like he went on about it for like 45 seconds and I'm all about professional athletes college athletes making money doing their thing you know name image likeness all that stuff I'm all for it like a hundred thousand percent but your season just ended like it just was weird to me that that's where he went with that question the fact that LeBron doesn't want to play for the Olympic team doesn't bother me in the slightest. He's paid his dues. He's beat up. There was the COVID season, short off season, you know, a long season this year. I'm fine if LeBron doesn't want to play for the Olympics. I'd rather see our young stars get a chance anyway. But where he went with the question and then his answer was just really, it was weird and it did rub me the wrong way. Absolutely. And uh, I second that because to me, the issue I had with LeBron, especially game five and six was attitude. And that goes back to it in, in leadership. And those, he failed miserably at those. Uh, that's those, especially games five and six. And that comment just kind of just put a cap on it. It's like, okay, this is not right. Like, this is not how you lead this team. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand the Olympic side of it. Just, you know, just, just 
stay with it. You know, just say, I'm not playing, you know, I'm 35, 36 years old. You know, I'm, I'm pretty banged up. I'm not going to play. And that's it. Like, leave it at that. There's no reason for you. Everybody knows Spay Jam is going to be out. There's no reason for you to promote it. Yeah. I, mean, it, it, I just, it was really, just weird. <laughs> so, I do understand the promotional part of it because I saw that a lot on Twitter. But, well, he was just promoting it. That's not the right time to do it. There's a time and space for everything. And that was just such an awful timing. And... I understand he might have been triggered. You tell me LeBron James doesn't have the platform to promote that movie anytime he wants. Like, come on. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that, Vlad. Like, LeBron James has how many ever Twitter followers, Instagram? I don't even know if he has it. You know, he has the platform to promote that movie every second of every day to millions of people. He didn't need to promote it right there. Like, give me a break on the he was just trying to promote the movie like and that's a movie of the whole basketball world if you're a basketball player if you touch a basketball you're gonna watch that movie we're all gonna watch it exactly so th- there's no need for that it, it was just uncalled for and to me it was just borderline unprofessional honestly at that point because at, like i said as a leader it just it, it just irked me like the, the whole attitude it was just off and uh you know, uh, there was another play, I think, game four. Uh, he, uh, Crowder, they were up. They were down seven or eight. Schroeder missed the layup, and he doesn't come back on defense. Crowder hits a three-point dagger. They go up, like, I think Phoenix goes up 11. from, uh, And LeBron doesn't even – it's not even close in the picture. He just stood there. Like, that's just – it's just in the details. And um, th- that kind of stuff bothers me because it, it's all about – who he is, right? Because maybe if he was like a monstrous hell, or maybe it was like a Morris, like it wouldn't bother me as much. But all eyes are on you right now, and you know AD's out. You know he's hurt, so it's not about stats to me. It's he could have went average forty a game. It was just the way things were going, and the way he was playing, the pace he was playing, the attitude. It it, it was just all bad for me for LeBron in games five and six. It really it really bothered me. But now let's 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 move the Clippers Mavs. At the time we're recording this, the series is three three. So there's a game seven in a few hours. We're not gonna discuss it too much this series, but I do want to point out the fact that they just can't win at home. <laughs> yeah, it's the first it's first time in playoff history, I think, where it happened through five, five, five games in a series before, but never six. So the Clippers winning game six, where Kawhi just went bananas and put in one of the great individual elimination game performances. Jordan-esque performance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He took the... Both ends took, of the floor. Exactly, Amazing. exactly. He took on the responsibility of guarding Luka and not just switching super easy every time they set a ball screen. This, look, there's been a lot of individual performances. Luka, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has been good. The Boban stuff. Um, Reggie Jackson, the former Piston. You know, there's some Pistons uh, attached storylines. Reggie Jackson's been playing well. Um Luke Kennard hasn't been able to get off the bench very much. So there's some Pistons connection in these playoffs. But the fascinating thing for this for me, Vlad, is the little ends and intricacies of the game. How are the Clippers guarding Luka in the ball screens? Are they going to switch? Zubak has pretty much become they only play him when Luka's off the floor. The Mavs went big last game and are playing 2-3 zone. So I broke down how the Clippers were attacking it. Watch this game. Watch Again, this is coming out late, but I hope I hope you watch this series and are going to watch Game Seven because there's just so many little intricacies of the game that and, are really fun. And Bryce, I really want to point out something because I do feel like some of these coaches, and this is the second time in this episode I'm going to point out coaches. 
these two coaches, even Ty Lu, because he was really just by watching ESPN, um, you know, watching Fox Sports, he was being bashed all over the place after the first two games, right? He was on the hot seat already. He he's made some adjustments too. And okay, Rick Carlisle, I think everybody in the league respects him. And to me, he's probably one of my favorite coaches. Uh, maybe because I know more about him from JJ, right? Yeah, my, they were from from former, our, my former, coach. former college coach, exactly. And I know a lot of stories about Carlisle and how good he is. But he's proven uh, over the, like how many coaches really? Because I, I was looking at Vogel, and since we, Bryce is doing this this displays that you guys really need to follow these breakdowns. Uh, these longer breakdowns. I'm gonna start doing some shorter ones for Instagram, Facebook. But Bryce is doing this on Twitter, and it's really, really good stuff. Um, and I was watching actually Vogel how he buried Harold on the bench, and then I, I was thinking, I was like, well, Boban was buried on the bench too. And how how does he think about playing Boban? Because out of all people, when you can't guard a pick and roll, you don't think about playing Boban. And I think game three and four is what clicked for the Clippers and then it kind of clicked for the Mavs too to kind of adjust because they were, as soon as the Clippers figure out they can get in the paint at will, that kind of changed the series because it was almost a sweep for the Mavs. Like it was going that way after like the first quarter of game three. And I was like, oh man, this is unbelievable. And they kind of came back and they figured out they can attack the paint. And and since then, I feel like both coaches have made a ton of adjustments. Yeah, it's that's what I'm talking about. Like Reggie Jackson, the Clippers went small, set Zubak. So then Carlisle went big with Porzingis and Boban and went to the zone. Again, the Clippers have completely – they've defended the ball screen about any way you can think of. Drop coverage, trap, hard hedge, you know, switch, everything. And so it's, it's impossible just, to guard it, Bryce. I'll be what, honest. Like, how do you, you you just got to throw different looks and hope his percentages are low enough that you're going to win the game. And that's what I finally came to the conclusion. Like, I was spending all this time like breaking it down <laughs> and like what's the right way. And at the end of the day, it's like if Luca's neck is hurting a little bit and he's missing shots, then whatever you use that game is going to work. If he's on, it just doesn't really matter. Now, I do think keeping Kawhi on him as much as possible um, is good. Obviously, he's going to take advantage of a switch with Zubak or even Reggie Jackson, but you're right. Like just the, the chess match that has gone back and forth. And today is just going to be a banger of a game. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this Kawhi Luka matchup. It's, it's going to be interesting. I did think like at some point, some points in the game, Luka kind of switched too easy on Kawhi on the pick and roll. And that's not a good matchup. That's not a good matchup at all because Kawhi is going to dominate Luka. He's, he's just not quick enough. Uh, he's not sliding his feet and he doesn't have the height to really challenge the shots. It's, it's a tough, tough matchup for, for Luca. And, uh, really, if, if, if you don't appreciate Kawhi and the stuff that he does right now, it, it, it's kind of a shame because I, I, I keep trying to think, like, give me one guy at his level that does it on both ends of the floor. And I can't, I, I can't find him. You know, I can't, I, I keep thinking, I'm like, you, you throw Jokic and Bede and all these guys and none of them do it on both ends of the floor with that much impact. Hey, if he goes and wins a championship this year and finals MVP, and I don't care that LeBron wasn't there, it, you know, he's probably going to, he's going to do it against a really quality team from the other side and a lot of really good Western Conference teams. You know, one we're about to talk with the Utah Jazz. But if Kawhi goes and wins another finals and finals MVP with a third team, like he's in a stratosphere that's 
that's that's up there, man. Like we're, we're talking all time top 10, 15 type player. Yeah. And it was impressive the way he did it with Toronto too. Okay. Well, with the Spurs, it was the Spurs. Uh, they still had those uh, <laughs> the big guns, uh, even though they were older. Uh, they did have the big three, their own big three with uh, Tony, Manu, and uh, Tim Duncan. But still, uh, the, the Raptors one that really impressed me, and I think uh, this one it would be would be very special too. But you mentioned Utah, Bryce. It's probably my favorite team to watch, honestly. Uh, that and Phoenix so far, they've been my favorite teams to watch just because of the way they share the ball. Yep. Yeah, they're they're a blast, Vlad. Like I I love. Quinn Snyder and the stuff he does. He has the right personnel. He does all sorts of ball screens and sets the ball screens up and action after the ball screens. And they have these shooters that space the floor so well. So that helps with it. And let me tell you the player I was most impressed with, um, from the Jazz at least, because Morant and Dylan Brooks were impressive as well. Donovan Mitchell. I I undervalued and underappreciated Donovan Mitchell a lot. That guy's big time. And I've questioned the Jazz ability to go win in the playoffs because I wasn't sure they had the closer, but Donovan Mitchell might be that dude. And again, he has a chance if he can run through the Western Conference and get to the finals to kind of take his, you know, where he's at in basketball world to a whole nother level as well. Um, He's been big time in this, or he was big time in this series. They remind me of Spurs, Bryce. I know you mentioned it, uh, we mentioned this before. Um, Just because they have that one superstar and it's clear Mitchell is that superstar. And he he's the, he's the difference maker for them, but even when he's off the floor, they still look all right. It's not like you know um, I don't know. You, you take Booker off uh, in Phoenix, they don't look Luca off the Mavs, and it's like oh my god, uh, those few minutes. But those minutes that Mitchell was off on the bench, like they still look fine. They have instant offense off the bench. They have great shooting. They have great rim protection, and they share the ball. And like I said, it's just a lot of fun to watch. But um, I, I, I want to take your thoughts on John Moran because I was impressed. First playoff series, and he really reminded me of a young Derrick Rose. Just watching him play, the athletic ability, the intensity, the ability to lead as, 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 a, as a younger, let's say younger superstar. I was impressed by John. Yeah, no, I thought the Grizzlies were, looked really good. I thought they had a good series. I thought this was good for them. You know, you make it through the playing games. You beat Steph Curry and the Warriors. Um, to get into that eight spot after their their first round win or first game win. Um, you know, he averaged 30 in this series. I thought him and Dylan Brooks both really showed out for their first playoffs. You know, they, they win game one, and I think they were kind of riding that. And then when Mitchell comes back and the Jazz win game two and win game three, then you kind of could see, I think they lost some of their confidence and their swagger. They're like, oh man, maybe maybe we're really not there yet, which they're not and nobody expected them to be. But I think this is something they can build off of. They have a nice young core there. It'll be interesting to see what they can add to it. Um, but John, John Morant, like the NBA's in good hands, man. Like we don't have to get into this because it's a whole nother topic, but I, I realize LeBron's out. I realize Steph is out. There's plenty of young talent in this league and the NBA should be promoting the hell out of these guys because there's there's a lot of them. Absolutely. And I'll be interesting how that's being promoted. I really want to see how the rest of the playoffs are going to be promoted, Bryce, because you do have it. It's a little bit atypical, right? You think about Denver, you have Jokic. Uh, right now, you're going to put Booker in every single poster you can. Every, you know, Utah, it's not that... I, I want to say it's... You, you can sell Utah, but they're it's not still sexy. Not the they're same. not a sexy team. Exactly, they're, they're just... exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, 
So it, it's going to be very interesting. And I think in some ways, I wonder if the NBA are kind of hoping that the Mavs push through because at the end of the day, the, Ka- Kawhi, it is a little bit boring, right? So like it, he's not the one, but if you put Luca on a poster and you know, you make a little poster boy and it's the uh, Western Coast um, conference and he does this, that I feel like th- they will get a little more hype, but I don't know, because in the East, I didn't like it, man. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like the first round of the East. I, I, I really want to take your thoughts, and let's go to Philadelphia, Washington, 4-1. But that was, in my book, it was a sweep, because the only reason why, I, the, the Wizards won a game, because I feel like Philly went like a shock when they saw Embiid go down. And it, it just felt like the whole game, they were worried about Embiid and not the basketball part of it. Well, and it's it's honestly, um, yeah, this series didn't go the way I thought. I mean, Philly dominated it. I thought the Wizards were going to be able to make the the yeah. I thought the Sixers were going to make him work. Yeah, I really like my biggest thing with the Wizards is I really like Daniel Gafford. Like he's a player I've really kind of fallen in love with in terms of maybe kind of an under the radar guy. Um, But you got two breakdowns of him already, right? Yeah, I I had to do two. Like just because he's been so good, and people start like I did the first one, nobody was talking about him, so. then people started talking about it. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm going to do another one then because – You're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game. Right, you saw it early. For, for the first time. So, I don't know. To me, with the Sixers, Embiid has to be healthy. I don't know if he's going to be. I don't know if he plays, if he's – you know, we saw this with Anthony Davis, if he's going to try to play and not be able to be at full strength. Well, it's, it's a torn meniscus, right, Bryce? Yes, yes. So, so that's – You've had experience with this, right? Yeah. So, I, I tweeted this out. Somebody else said, hey, I'm not a doctor, but this sounds really bad. And all I said was – I'm not a doctor either, but I tore my ACL four times. I tore it three times. A lot of people can't believe this, but I tore it three times in nine months. Rehab, trying to get back, all of that stuff. So I have a lot of experience, spent a lot of time in a training room during my the, the end of my career, college career. And a meniscus, like I tore my meniscus one of the times, well, every time with it, but one of the times really good and it it caught, my knee would catch. Like I literally couldn't move it. Like it was stuck in place. And it didn't even really hurt, but you just can't move it. So, but meniscus tears, it depends on where the location is. It depends on the severity. Is it going to catch? Is it not going to catch? So w- without knowing the specifics, which I'm sure the Sixers are going to keep close to the vest, it's really hard to know until you see him out there playing. But I mean, it's possible he plays through it and is 90% of himself, but there's also possible he's not able to play through it at all. In the same, and in the same time, we've talked about this. No Embiid, the 76ers are not a contender. Absolutely, close. 100%. So, um, also, just uh, to be honest and offer, like, we're, right now we're about one hour, uh, one hour 15 from tip-off of the first game between uh, Atlanta and Philadelphia. So, we, we've talked about, about this, but we're not sure. Embiid could just come out and play. Uh, I think he's questionable today. Um, so... That's that, that. That's just something to follow because uh, honestly, I think Atlanta can't push them, especially without Embiid. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough matchup for them. And uh, Atlanta, New York, first round, Bryce four one. Julius Randle. I really want to go straight to Julius Randle because he struggled mightily. Was it the pressure of New York? Was it the pressure of having fans in the gym? Because this is going to go into the Miami hit series too, Milwaukee, Miami, because I do think that the fans has something to do with this. And we all know the Knicks fans, how they are. And I feel like that pressure kind of just 
Trey Young was rising to it while the Knicks were kind of just scared of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, but what did people expect, Vlad? It was, I mean, how many te- – how many? There's lots of players. I'm sure there's example after example of individuals and teams who, in their first trip to the playoffs, underperform. So I don't. I'm not sure what people expected. The Knicks had a great season. They probably overachieved. They surprised all of us. Way, way so, over. But here's the thing: Who was the best player in the playoffs for the Knicks in this first round? Derrick Rose. And it doesn't surprise you, maybe the minutes he was able to play, but he has experience. He's been that guy before. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Julius Randle struggled, that R.J. Barrett struggled, because they haven't been there before. Listen, I'm going to tell you, like again, I know we promote the breakdowns a lot, but it was probably the best one I've done. The Atlanta Hawks designed everything to stop Julius Randle. Go, if, you, if you don't go watch any of the other breakdowns, if you're a listener, go find the Julius Randle one, because it'll show you why he struggled so bad. And you can, like... Yeah, you can watch film on it and you can see what the Hawks were doing to him, but it's hard to adjust on the fly. It required a skill set and him to do things. Re- yeah, exactly. That's what you see. In my notes, I had, I had, you know, has a lot of work to put in because he's not a superstar. He played like one. It was a good year, but you get a different type of attention that we, we've seen, for example, with Jeremy Grant over the year, right? He got more and more attention. So Atlanta threw something at him that, Nobody else did because in a playoff series, you prepare a lot uh, into a lot more detail than you would prepare a regular season game, right? So when Atlanta threw that, he's not attacking middle. They always push him to the side. So you saw a lot of step backs. You saw the second guy always coming up at him, trying to stop him early, contest his jump shots. He drives the rim. It it was tough. Uh, The only thing that kind of worried me, Bryce, was the fact that the way he was reading stuff. Yeah, it wasn't no, that he wasn't making shots. That's worrisome. Shot. Was, that, yeah. He was not making the right reads when guys were wide open. And, and Vlad, that's tough. Like, that's not something you can go to the gym and drill a real easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's there's a feel for the game. That's the art of the game. And it's it's hard to teach a player that. Like, that. yes. Like, you can't just go and get – like, you can just go get more jumpers up. You can work on the, yeah. the step back over a defender and stuff like that. It's hard to rep that in practice. And so that, to me, that's the biggest worry. But you know how you counter that, Vlad? Once you put some shooters around him, again, like I always go back to this, it's hard to play defense like that if you have other scorers around him. So that's another aspect of it as well. So I don't think Bryce, it's all Jewish. If you're the Knicks, do you go for CJ? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be a good one. Um, who was you know? Because I'm thinking he needs another superstar, and he needs another superstar that can play a lot off the dribble. You know who I wouldn't go for is probably Demar Derozan because I don't think he helps those space. He, I don't think he helps the spacing. Right? Like, I, I, I'm I know I'm the analytics guy, and I but but some guys are really good at mid range, so it's fine. But I don't know that he helps this scenario out a lot. Like, hopefully you're gonna see a, a jump from R.J. Barrett. Um, you know, they, they got good minutes from Alex Burke. I'm trying to look at some of their younger guys on the roster. Like, I, I think they need a big-time wing score to go along with Julius Randle. That's what they need. Maybe it's R.J. Barrett, but I, I think it's probably going to be somebody else. Like, C.J. McCollum would be a good fit. Maybe he's not as good defensively as what they want, but he can score it. And I'm not, honestly, I'm really not sold on R.J. Barrett so far. Um, it, it, it just, I don't want to say it, but... 
Okay, well, <laughs> Wiggins. It reminds me of Wiggins. Uh, it's going to be, it's a lot of pressure. He came in with a lot of pressure of, you know, being all this and that. And New York is a tough, tough place to play in. And I hope he's built for it. And I hope he's going to rise the occasion. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sold on it, Bryce. It's just the style of play, the way he plays something, it just doesn't look right to me as far as if he can be that superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can develop to be a superstar. Well, then then you package some of those guys and you go get... What, what have you That's, had to do? I was thinking package R.J. Barrett because go, he might be a, a good one. one. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, go get Bradley Bill. Like, go get... Like, I know that's always my default oh. right now. <laughs> you just want to get Bill on DC right there. I know. I, and I don't mean to, but, like, that mold, you know, of a wing score. And I, I realize not a lot of guys can score it like Bradley Bill. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you put that guy out there with Julius Randle, and now all of a sudden those things are more open. But I want to talk about Absolutely. Atlanta too, Vlad, because Trey yeah, exactly. Young. Exactly, I was going to say, I was like, let's sorry, not I, overlook Trey I, Young right yeah, now. I say Trey Young was awesome. He's so much fun to watch. Again, you talk about a young star in the league being in good hands. Trey, here's what I loved about Trey Young, Vlad. I loved his attitude towards Knicks fans and the crowd. And everything else, like he I, wants the smoke, he's he all about wants it. it, and that's why I think they have a real good chance here against the Sixers because he ain't he ain't backing down. He's ready for the moment. He stepped up to the moment. He's been big time. And the other guy, give Clint Capella some love because it's not sexy. He's not super skilled, but he provides a lot to this Atlanta Hawks team. Absolutely, he's a. Uh... You know, he, it's, it's like watching Rudy Gobert in Atlanta. It's like the same thing. You know, there's the same impact defensively, always in the right position, contesting shots, getting rebounds, um, running the floor hard. He's always around the rim when when he play a pick and roll Capella. And let's talk about the four-level score that Trey Young is because you have Bogdanovich, you have Gallinari, you have Collins. You, you have so many shooters in that team. And you literally have to guard Trey Young from half court. And that that pick becomes so much dangerous because Capella can roll hard, very athletic, and then somewhere, where do you help off it, you know? And Gallinari as a four, as a three, he was a, is a matchup nightmare almost. But at the four with this Atlanta Hawks team, I love it. He's so hard. He's so hard to guard because you have all these guys that can shoot the ball and your superstar is deadly. Here, this is a very well constructed team, Vlad. That, and that's why I think we both like them as a dark horse in the East, not to win the conference or anything like that, but as a really quality team. And they're now in the position where I think both of us thought they were as a top four team in the East. I think yeah, both I think of we us both thought- said that they're going to be a top four team. And also, you just give uh, Nate McMillan some credit too. I'm, oh, I'm sure. on the coach's side yes, there. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But they're very well constructed. You have the dude. He's a four-level scorer, which means he doesn't just shoot from the fourth level. If you listen to the Rashad Phillips episode, he plays at the fourth level. Ball screens happen out there. You have to force guys to come guard out there. Opens up the lane. You have Capella rim running, lobs, and then all these shooters around him. Bogdanovich. You you went through all of them. I don't have to again. I think it's a very well constructed team. It just came across my phone, Vlad. Embiid is going to start today in game one, but this is going to be a very interesting series. I think the Hawks have a really good chance, depending. I mean, Embiid's the best, should be the best player on the floor if healthy. He but. has to guard at the four level. You just said it. And with, with a torn meniscus on a bad knee, it's going to be hard for him to stay with Capella or get up high on that screen, get up high enough 
and clearly he's not going to be able to switch at all. So it's it's going to be a good, good, good series, Bryce. And I think the Hawks can give him a run for the money. Um, really, really. And again, back to McMillan because they had a top four record since McMillan came in. Um, and that's very impressive, Bryce. And the, the turnaround uh, that he just – I know he hasn't changed much. Uh, he changed a few sets here and there. But just fab- fabulous job. And the roster, yeah, it was constructed well from the beginning. Uh, they didn't need I, – I do like the Lou Williams-Rondo move, though. Yeah, I, I just – I like that roster. Um it's very offensive oriented. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, and that's what supposedly the playoffs is. You know, you, you have to be able to get deep. You know, play defense. I think you can scheme some of that. You know, I think you can do which they've know, done. Which they've done the New York series. Yeah. Obviously, they did a great job with it. Like what they did was they almost played zone. Is every time Julius Randle caught yeah. the ball, like Capella completely left his man on the backside, came to the ball side, and then they were kind of in zone in behind it. And again, the Knicks didn't have the shooters. Now, here's the thing. If if they're going to go double Joel Embiid, those rotations are going to have to be quicker and harder and better because the Danny Sixers Green, have some Seth guys. Curry, yeah. yeah, the Sixers have some guys that can, you know, Tobias Bears, Harris is playing well, um, Seth Curry. So they got some guys that can knock down shots. Um, I'm fascinated, and I know we're not trying to talk preview too much, but is Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel have reps as being really good defenders, Okay. So I'm interested. I'm very excited well, to watch them out. try and guard Trey. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited to see them guard Trey Young and how how they that that matchup within the series will be fun to watch. Absolutely. And since you mentioned defense, uh, we can move the Milwaukee Miami series. That was a quick uh, <laughs> sweep. Uh, but since you mentioned defense, I really wanted to bring Drew Holiday right off the bat because he's huge for them. Defense will be he gives them exactly what they needed. You know, some perimeter defense and. Uh, I want to give Milwaukee so much credit, but at the same time, just Miami, I don't know. It, it, they look so bad, Bryce, and they got exposed. So it, to me, it's literally like Jimmy got exposed. He had four bad games. Uh, Bam, I even tweeted. I said, I think Isaiah Stewart has a higher ceiling than Bam. I thought at this point in his career, he's he has to be able to shoot a free line jumper, like at the high clip. To be able to like just freeze at the free throw line from Bam at the bio, I didn't expect that. Tyler Hero, we kind of rushed him to stardom in the bubble. He was really a little bit non-existent. To me, Robinson was the most solid guy on that roster. I was like, okay, he can shoot. At least he can do one thing that you can count on him do it. The other guys, it just seemed like nobody was there. And Dragic, okay, Dragic played his role too. great, but... The whole team, and what do you do if you're Miami, Bryce? So, the I haven't looked into it. I don't like follow the Heat enough to like know all their contract situation. But someone told me, or like I've I've talked to somebody. They have no first round picks for the next three years. No, but but they can open up a huge calories. They can open up a lot of salary cap. So, like that's the like apparently there is some room there to work for Miami. But well, they're gonna open up, but they're gonna lose Robinson though. For sure, no the the. the I guess my point is there's some finagling of the roster. I don't know how much they can do to really get where they want to go. Um, it, it makes you wonder, right? Like I hate to discount what happened last year, but was that kind of a flash in the pan? Was that kind of like not real? 
And here's a stat. I'm not a plus minus guy, especially in single game situations. But for a series, you can start to look at a plus minus. Jimmy Butler's plus minus in this series, Vlad, was negative 21 and a half. Yikes. Well, he had four bad games. I tell you that. He uh, And to, to me, he I know people might be like, oh, he made a game-tying layup. No. No. The only reason they lost game one was because of him. And it's, you know, he won it, Bryce. He was in Minnesota. He was in Philadelphia. He wanted the smoke. He wanted to be that guy. Well, the bubble was nice, but it was a bubble. Right now, this was the time. The packed house in Milwaukee, your fans in Miami. And you don't lose, like, close games other than game one. You get blown out three games in a row. No chance. They have to have a number one scoring option. They don't have a number one scoring option on their roster, in my opinion. Isn't like, that what Jimmy Butler wanted to be? He's not, though. Like, that's fine. He's Russell. He's, he, if, if the comparison, he's Russell Westbrook in terms, like, not playing style, but like, in terms of he's your alpha, he's the intense guy, he's your all that stuff, but you better have a dude that can go get you 30 on so any given night. So are they going to keep Oladipo then? Huh? Who just bought a house in Miami. Well, are they going to keep Oladipo? Well, then he's not your number one scoring option either. So if that's what they're counting what? on, like they're in trouble. Like they're going to keep in trouble. They're going to keep getting first round exits or possibly semifinal exits. Like uh, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I always look at rosters like these playoff teams. Like how can they go win championships? They have to get a number one scoring option, and until they do, this is going to be continue what happens. In my opinion, I know they did it last year in the bubble. I don't want to say that that's an outlier or, you know, it definitely counts and all that. But part of me wonders, like, if that did have to do with some of that. So, I, I think they need a number one scoring option. Well, Bryce, there's a few teams that are stuck in, like, this mediocre as five to eight seeds that can make a to like, a conference semifinals, like a Miami, Portland. I think Boston is one of those teams. You have quite a few of those teams in the playoffs, and – I know you mentioned earlier Milwaukee. If they don't win this year, are do we put them in the same boat? Yeah, they're getting close. They're getting really close. And and I'm trying to talk about Milwaukee today without having watched the game versus the Nets last night. This is what we're obviously recording on Sunday, so game one of that series was last night. And since we're talking about the first round recaps, I'm trying not to get, you know, like change how I talk about them based on that game. But because they, they were impressive, they, they did. I thought Miami was going to challenge Milwaukee. I'll say it like I'll admit it. I thought they were going to challenge them. I thought that'd be a fun series. I've kind of slept on the Bucks um, based off what they did in this series. Um, I, I like their roster. I think it's solid. But if this doesn't get it done again, they don't have anywhere else to go. I don't feel like like the, they're kind of yeah. Like, they, do you revamp the roster like Portland style? Like you're gonna have to all ju- out. You're probably going to have to make a trade that involves Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, Holiday, and you're probably going to lose the trade. I just, I, I this team has to be good enough, Vlad. It just does. It, it, to me, it's championship time for, for Giannis in Milwaukee, and it's going to be with this roster. And if this roster is not good enough to do it, at the end this of the day, this is your best shot at yeah, Drew Holiday. This is your best shot. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean. I'm fine with what they've done, locking these guys up and locking it in. I think Milwaukee fans are happy with it, but they're going to be in a tough spot if it's not good enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. And since you mentioned uh, uh, game one, that was last night between Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Uh, Brooklyn won game one. But we'll talk the Brooklyn-Boston series 4-1. And Boston just blowing things up after the game. Um, interesting approach. I didn't expect any of those moves. Um, but let's talk about Brooklyn first, Bryce. And offensive juggernaut. Yeah, I mean... Offensive juggernaut. Unbelievable. And here's the thing. Um, you have the three stars, obviously. You know, three of the, the best offensive players in our but game. I haven't seen... Th- exactly. I haven't seen three. I've seen three stars before. But to me, this is like three stars are like a cheat code. Because at least Dwayne Wade didn't have a three-point shot. Chris Bosh only had a mid-range. And LeBron was LeBron. But these guys, they can score from any anywhere on the floor. Yeah. No, I mean, they're they're all incredible... In, and like you they're say, flawless offensively. Yes, uh, the, their only flaw would be is if they can't share the ball and play together. But then you add Joe Harris, who's quite possibly the best three point shooter in the league, catch and shoot. You know, especially with Clay out right now. Blake Griffin. You know, I mean, this is you know the pit like Blake Griffin mm-hmm. has been solid mm-hmm. for them. <laughs> I'm actually I'm gonna do a breakdown today. I'm gonna do it. I don't know how well it'll be received. He played awesome in game one. But like I will dislike that button. Just, where's my dislike button? <laughs> there are no dislikes on Twitter. <laughs> I will quote tweet it. Dislike this. <laughs> but he gives him a little bit there, so Shamit can can score it a little bit. So they have enough just of those tertiary pieces around them to be solid. And you know they're 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 a scary team, Vlad. They're they're definitely well, scary. You know what makes them scary, Bryce? Because we talked about the way Utah being like the Spurs. This is literally the only time that I can think of that all like they can ISO you. They will ISO you to death. And it's one of those situations where it's actually the highest percentage shot. Because it, it's impossible. So really to guard these guys, you gotta have three locked in one-on-one defenders because like you mentioned earlier you can't really double like who are you gonna run off like you're gonna run off harris not really you don't want to double off harris like that so it, it it's unbelievable and but before since we're talking about isos i do want to give jason tatum his his credit because he scored 33 points off isos and this would have been a sweep if that didn't happen Tatum had a huge game, and that was the only reason that Boston won one game in the series. And unbelievable Tatum, game. Yeah, Tatum was incredible. Um, he's a big time scorer. Like I think, I, I think in Boston you have your star, superstar, whatever you want to call it. Like he may, maybe he's not a superstar yet because of postseason success. He's had his moments. Um, and, and you know, Jalen Brown. I think those are your two guys. But it's going to be interesting again what they do with this roster now. You know. Fournier is a free agent, I believe. Kimba has a really not great contract. Marcus Smart, like, what are you going to do? You know, and then who's going to be their head coach? How's Brad I was just going to say that. Yeah. What do you think of that? I, Brad I, Stevens just went straight to front office. That was strange to me. Like, I, I guess I kind of expected something would shake out in Boston. You know, there was some talk maybe of Ainge, some talk of Stevens even, but – it was just a weird situation with Ainge stepping away and Steven stepping up. And if that's what Brad Steven wants to do, I'm fine with that. I understand wanting to be the guy that constructs the team and not coaches the team. I know maybe outsiders maybe like, isn't he a coach? That's what he wants to do. But 
there's a there's components of constructing a team that's fun and 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 all of that as well. So it'll be interesting to see who the, it's going to be a, a, a big off season for Boston. That's what I'll say, Vlad. Um, who are you going to hire as a coach, and what are you going to do with some of these roster decisions? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, you know it's, it's going to be huge, and I do think they got to. It's 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 one of those things that you got to revamp the roster a little bit. But again, maybe you do look at Portland. You look at a Nurkic type player. Maybe you find ways to bring other guys. Um, because I think it's going to be a three or four teams that really need to revamp the rosters. And uh, I do have some hope, Bryce, that the Pistons are going to end up, you know, lucking out. Uh, maybe getting a few steals here and there because Weaver has done a fabulous job. And uh, one last question I got for you today, Bryce. What do you think about trading our second round picks to possibly get a late first? Yeah, I'm. That is. I know you talked about this on Twitter, and I, there, there was a lot of conversation on Twitter around this stuff. A, a thousand percent. Like I would, I would absolutely. I, I think I'll be disappointed if we don't do it at this point. To to be completely honest with you, so you look at the back end of the first, like. Because a lot of those teams don't want to have to pay those guaranteed contracts to a first-round pick. So to get back in at the back end of the first round with the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Nets, Sixers, those guys, Houston actually has two at 23 and 24. So maybe they only want to make one of those selections. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, I don't know that we need to bring in four rookies, Vlad. Like, we have enough young players. I'm not saying we can't still have talent, but do we need three second-rounders? So I would package two of those – and maybe another one from the future to get back into the end of the first. And you know that I have some or guys. Do you package someone like Josh Jackson to go with it? Um, it depends. I do think there's okay. So if you're if you're gonna put Josh Jackson or a player with it, then I want to get back into the late teens because I think there's gonna be some okay. some great value in the late teens because in this draft. It's, to, it's. I think we both agree. It's kind of a big three, big four draft. But after you get that from like five to 20, go look at big boards. And players five to 26 to 22, that area, they get intermixed. You can find a guy on one guy's draft board at number six and on another guy's draft board, he's at number 20. So if, if we're going to package a player, then yeah, then I want to get back into the late teens where maybe a guy like Kai Jones, who has a huge upside, Maybe all these teams aren't as high on him and you can go get him at, at 19 or something like that. You know, New York has 19 and 21. So maybe New York will give up number 19 if we give them a Josh Jackson or someone to play on the wing for them. And not that he's going to help their shooting struggles, but, you know, I would be for it in that scenario. But we, we got to get higher than the very back end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, there, there's a few interesting guys, right? There's uh, uh, Sengun, the Turkish kid. He can really play, man. And there's Williams from Stanford. Because uh, th- that's what I'm looking at. This guy's if you can package Josh Jackson and two of those picks to get somebody around this, you know, like you said, late teens, even early, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I, I wouldn't pa- go past 25th. Uh, because but there's some interesting guys down there too. So like J- Gerard um, Butler is a guy out of Baylor that's not getting a ton of love, but I know a lot of people are high on him. Like they think his game's going to translate. Like he can score, he can shoot it a little bit. Like I think there's 
I think there's some high-level shooters and scores that you can get at that back end. Um, you know, what if a guy like Corey Kispert falls, Vlad? Like, you know, I think he's a guy that's – you know, what what if he falls outside the lottery? What can we do to go get him at 15 or something like that? Like, there's there's a lot of scenarios to play out where I would love for Troy Weaver to have a trade in place. Max Amos from Oral Roberts, if, if those guys fall – then you can go grab him. Amos may be a guy you could get at the back end of the first steal. But. And if you go late 20s, there's always a Nova pick there for you, Rice. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, my guy. <laughs> yes. 6'9", <laughs> fits the bill. He checks all the boxes all in my the boxes. book. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I've told you, whoever we get, whether it's Cade Mobley or, or Green, I want one of those guys. I want to trade back into the end of the first round and get Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and then I want to draft Isaiah Livers with one of those second round picks. If we ended up with those three dudes, I would be so happy coming out of this draft. Absolutely. It's doable. It's doable. We're not even, you know, I think it's very doable. I think that's realistic. I, I, I Like you say, I, I don't think I'm being crazy or, you know. Not just, at all. And no, there's not a reach. It's yeah, not exactly, a reach. That's what I'm exactly. Saying. All right, Bryce. Well, um, Let's uh, keep reminding this, uh, this folks that you do a great job of those video breakdowns. I mean, he posts them daily, guys. Just check him out. It's not all Pistons, too. Uh, like we mentioned quite a few times, he had a fabulous one on Trey Young and his four-level scoring. Uh, he had a similar one to Steph Curry uh, right before they got knocked out of the playoffs. And just make sure you keep checking those out on Twitter. Uh, those are the longer ones, and uh, we'll start posting shorter ones on Instagram. Um, so make sure you follow us and, uh, we'll surely be active. We'll be very active during the playoffs and, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.